This week, we're joined by a player whose primary character, just like the iconic band Chumbawumble, will get knocked down, but gets up again. You're never going to keep him down. We have our first boys' night, then bring back our segment, Keeping It PC. I'm your host, Steve, in studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the zone of truth. And we're back. We're back. You're back. I am back. I've been gone all week. Have not played any Pathfinder for the last five days, which is probably my record for 2019. Yeah, that's that's actually a long string. It's I'm, probably because you were out of town. Yeah, now I've got the shakes. But I am back from my work trip, going all down the West Coast. Um, I slept for 12 hours last night. It burned me out. But I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm ready to go. I'm re-energized, revitalized in here. From 12 hours of sleep, mostly, because it sounds like you didn't stop drinking at your quote-unquote work trip for the past week. On the record, I only had an appropriate amount of alcohol every night and went to bed by 9.30. The the only appropriate amount was the maximum of what your company would pay for, right? And then then you went out after, I'm guessing. Okay, so what are you drinking (laughs) in this movie, Griffin? I'm drinking a Truly, the grapefruit flavor. Ooh, fun. Ah, that's good stuff. Nice. As for me, I am drinking a brew from Odd Side Brewing. I never heard of these guys before, but when I went to the liquor store today, I saw the label and I had to buy it. This is a Sha Dynasties IPA uh, <laughs> for all of you Always Sunny fans out there. And the can looks exactly like the uh, the bright neon pink Sha Dynasties logo. I'm going to crack this guy open right now. Thanks for telegraphing it. How is it? It's pretty good. I don't usually go out of my way to enjoy IPAs. Um, but if you're an IPA guy, I think you'll really like this one. They sell it on the can as, hold please, India Pale Ale with a sky to shine in. Don't know what that means. <laughs> With the shade to get nasty in. <laughs> exactly. But we've got a pretty shady character in here who likes to get nasty. Hey, Brooks. Hey, hey, hey guys. What's up, dude? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. This is <laughs> what a what an introduction. I'm, I'm honored. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a while since I've been on the zone. It we've missed you. Oh, it hasn't thanks. been the same. It hasn't been the bone zone without you. <laughs> no. Yeah, well, I'm glad that you had uh, your people contact my people. We were so busy uh, doing important business things. And it made it made it really tough for us. It was hard to get a hold of you. It's awful. Yeah, we need we need to cut out some of the middle guys. <laughs> we each don't need an agent. Well, I don't I mean, know. The only people our agents talk to are each other's agents. Well, yeah, but... It was very clear in my union contract that I need to have people working for me. I regret making this an LLC already. (laughs) Maybe we should unionize. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, uh, since you haven't asked yet, I am drinking a warped ring, warped wing, gamma bomb. Nice. Warped wing gamma bomb. Yeah. Do that five times fast. 
I no, won't actually did. even try. Go ahead. Oh, warped wing, gamma bomb, warped ring. But it is very, uh, it's very hoppy, but not bad. Yeah, not bad. I've had that beer before. It's pretty solid. Uh, fun fact, I remember talking to a guy from Warped Wing at a beer fest Brooks and I went to years ago. Um, and he said the reason they call it the Gamma Bomb is because they are based in Dayton, Ohio, which is where the guy that created the Incredible Hulk is from. Oh, neat. Yeah. Nice tidbit. Yeah, it is bright green. The can is bright green, just like the Hulk. So This has been Beer Facts. Yeah. Brought to you by Steve. And I'm going to bring you guys something else. Here's a Sirenscape set. This one comes from the Seedy Tavern uh, set, and it's called Drunk Half-Orc. Drunk Half-Orc. Oh, Perfect. Oh. <coughs> oh, God. All right, they're already oh, coughing. I'm going to see if I can turn off. Yeah, I'm going to turn off sick people. That part of it. What about the fly? The flies. <laughs> yeah, the fly might be a bit much. I'll go ahead and turn that off. But the moaning half-orc that's staying in for the entirety. <laughs> I mean, I, w- I want the fans at home to picture Griff, myself, Brooke, sitting around a table in a bar at four in the morning with Ikmer just passed out at Zokar's with his tankard tipped over and beer just spilled out onto the floor. Yeah, I I really, it's really suspect when Ikmer gets super drunk. I don't think we've really role-played that too heavily but i think this is what it would sound like just that one time just kind of like a strange sad mumbling in the corner (laughs) (laughs) mom and then matumbe is sitting quiet quietly also in the corner but just not saying anything matumbe is one of those weird dudes that like brings their laptop to the bar not that that's like it's not super weird but it is kind of weird it's like you're at a bar like go to starbucks yeah, when I, uh, back in college, you'd go out to, like, the party bars, and there'd be, like, the one guy that's wearing a fedora and has, like, a textbook out, and it's reading it, and you're like, get the fuck out of here, man, what are you doing? Um, and take away that fedora and replace that, um, that text with the holy tome of Phrasma, and you've pretty much got Matumbe. Yeah, basically. Nice. But enough talk about Matumbe, enough talk about the bar. Brooks, we've got a ton of shit we need to get through today, so let's just hit the ground running. Just like we did with the girls a couple weeks ago, I want to talk to you about your characters. Let's start with Ikmer. I I love Ikmer. Now, what I want to know, though, is how did this character start? When when did you start thinking to yourself, oh, this is a good character concept? Well, I had never played a fighter before, Mm -hmm. and so that was important for me to play something new and something completely different. Griffin really asked us to play something of a challenge. And so that's how like the armor fighter came in where he wasn't just your basic power, uh, power strike. Uh, you know what I mean, right? Yeah. Power attack, power attack, uh, vital strike, cleave. Yeah. yeah. Not that. Yeah. Not that not those, that those won't come into play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But anyways, so with that, I wanted to give this fighter more of a tank build and something low intelligence is something that I also haven't ever played before. So that was no, not like low, low intelligence, not below 10 intelligence. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, it suits (laughs) you. The moaning (laughs) back is killing me right now. 
No, you're doing a great job with it, man. So you said you started out with the class, then kind of worked your way into an archetype. And where did half-orc come from? I really think that... You know, I couldn't... I can't exactly say what came first, the backstory or the race, Mm -hmm. but they seem to really come together, I guess, in that sense. And especially for the area and how they aren't super heavy with half orcs. Yeah. Like only the part of Ustalav that's like closest to the holds of Belkson is like, that's where you start to get half orcs. I think that's the area Igmer's kind of from, but they're not heavily dispersed. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think between the backstory of the lovable loser, like really came into its own when he became that, I guess, became the half-orc in my mind. Are there any... I mean, you built him that way, but are there any inspirations for the character, like in media or anything? Is there a character you tried to base him off of? Ikmer's pretty unique to me, so I'd be surprised if uh, there's a movie he's based on, I gotta go see it. (laughs) Well, um, there isn't anything super specific but right after I made him, he essentially became, uh, what is it, his name, The Thing in Goonies? Oh, Chunk. Chunk, Chunk. yes, <laughs> yes. So I guess you heard it here, folks. We got Shaquille O'Neal on the team, and now we got Chunk from the Goonies. <laughs> we got, what a, what a duo. I know, right? That's amazing. Now, there's... There's a lot to Ikmer's backstory, a lot that we haven't quite explored yet. Um, but what we have teased out is a little, some, a little bit of his wolfish tendencies, some issues with his father. I, I, is there is there anything else there, man? Is there anything else you can give us? Like, where did where does any of that come from? Well, um, a lot of that credit would go to Griffin. Oh. It really was. Uh, he helped with that for sure. And I think together we really came up with a real like character concept that fit. For sure. I think like Brooks gave me a lot of like of all of you, he probably gave me the most freedom with Hey, if there's something that you think Ikmer would tie in well with in this campaign, go nuts. Just keep me in the loop. And so we kind of worked on this behind the scenes, like didn't know who Ikmer's dad was, that kind of thing that shaped itself into kind of where his character arc is heading at this point. Hmm. And where is it heading? Uh, just kidding, guys. We can't <laughs> say. <laughs> but, you know, Ikmer has been a lot of fun. How, how does he feel right now with this trial of the beast? Well, I think I mentioned it a while back that he sees a bit of himself in the beast Mm -hmm. this uh misjudged ugly creature ugly duckling but he's got that warm heart that he is just trying to i guess give to the people yeah give the people what they want (laughs) but with that like he is now this deputy and i think he's taking a lot of that to heart and that he has a, has this responsibility. So what 
because this wasn't a part of your backstory at all, no. and it wasn't something you. It certainly wasn't something you vetted past me before it happened. <laughs> uh, where did the whole fucking kid detective thing come from? Like, it was just kind of like a riff off of one moment, I think, in like episode seven or something that became basically the character of Ickmer. Like he gets he gets super confident at certain times. He's always kind of doing his kid detective thing. What made you want to, I guess, keep that as a part of him? Well, I want to say it came up one time with a like perception or finding the tracks to uh like the or like the blood trail on the fountain. It was a check that Ikmer made that he was the only one that made the check, but I don't think it was something he was good at. Yes. I can't remember what it was, but I don't think it was like survival. It was As, can, can you ex- please explain why your character does really well at doing things they're very bad at? Throwing hammers, jumping in to do swim checks to uh, save Eclipse. Like, <laughs> what the shit? He's fucking blessed, man. In, uh, I was listening to episode 40 just yesterday, and there was something like, make an intelligence te- check, and it was just like dropping a hot 19 on there. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> I know. Uh, I think it, it, it's it's all heart. Yeah. It's all, it's all heart. and Heart of the dice. I mean, he he's young enough to where he could still pick up on the little things mm-hmm. i think and a lot like a lot goes over his head and at the same time he he'll remember a lot of things that would say pertain to what he is interested in and so anything investigate like investigating and which is i'm pretty positive that's what that check was on i think you're right yeah yeah and so he takes takes that into or he puts a lot of effort into that Mm-hmm. He's an impressionable young boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also just kind of love the flavor that, um, you know, w- w- when you start becoming an adult, you maybe get a tendency to overanalyze problems or um, start thinking too hard about something. And Ikmer just sees it clear as day. Just he's he's not going to let anything influence him. And may- maybe that's kind of where some of these checks come from. That he's just very authentically just reacting or thinking of the first thing that pops to mind because Occam's Razor, right? Like the. F- yeah. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. That's a great way to put it. I and- think your decision to make Ikmer a kid kind of took took me off guard when you proposed it. I think it was such a good call. Like it's played out wonderfully. But is is that something that you just in your head you were like, this character is going to be a kid, or or was it like, did you? work back from something or did you work back from the stats how did how did that process happen what made you want to play like a 13 year old in my mind a lovable loser is usually a kid at least in my mind and you can uh you can sympathize with with children a little bit more and i think that makes it that much more i guess like connect you can have that connection sure and one one thing to add onto that, I think as a kid you have a lot to learn and you have hope in in the world despite what you've like already been through, I guess. And so that's that's something that I definitely wanted this character to have in this horror based campaign is still have hope. Yeah, 
I appreciate that because he brings a little bit of levity to some otherwise pretty dour situations. Breaking my heart, man. It's got, <laughs> got hope. Kid's got hope. <laughs> Kid's got heart. Yep. Kid's and got beefy 19 uh, intelligence checks. And then, he, and then he'll put on that face. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yep. Kid tucks his wiener back behind his legs. <laughs> Moving on. Um, all right. So as with the, with the last couple of these, you know that there's a character that we saw much less of than Ikmer, but the fans want to hear about. Now, this character is an enigma. He lives in the shadows. He likes to put on a... I guess he put maybe he puts on a different face just like Ikmer. <laughs> Brooks, tell me about Ed Turner. Ed Turner. So... I think we get the get into my inspiration a little bit later mm-hmm. in the show, and it is really this over charismatic, completely like twist your words and take I guess almost like take that hope and take it all away, yeah. or like give you hope in all the wrong things. I guess is a better way to put it. I, I want to think of Ed Turner as like the 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 pastor that's on TV with a thousand person congregation and like he has actors planted to like start speaking tongues while he's talking about Jesus and um and then and then he pulls away like in a 2019 Mercedes Benz after the yeah and then he yeah, after goes, the sermon yeah gets on his jet and, yep. and like the yeah my jet is. Uh, well, it, it's uh, it's it's part of his will to uh, to have that jet. That's right. That's God's will. God's will. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely love the character concept. What a megalomaniac! Where where did you come up with this idea? Well, start with race, class, archetype. I don't know. Class, definitely oh, class. Okay. The the cleric class, I think, is just portrayed in always this like good good way Mm -hmm. and i think it was in rise of the rune lords game where we first came came across an evil cleric and they they ended up like summoning somebody in sandpoint Mm -hmm. but i really like didn't see him like summoning somebody and so then i kind of thought you know what i really want to make this cleric evil and but still have a following yeah 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 i think that's difficult to do in some respects uh for evil clerics and evil deities in general like unless it's a cult it's not usually hey i have this big congregation it's like we worship in the shadows and whatever so it's interesting what you've done with ed turner in that you kind of flip the Farazman worship on its head and have him basically almost pulling like a father charlatan on -hmm. the people. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that was the fact that you bring up father charlatan is so cool because this was before we came up with the evil characters before. Oh wait, yeah. Before before you even got into the prison. Yeah. And so the fact that we have a father charlatan, like his backstory we can, I can absolutely see how Ed Turner came to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, without a doubt. I, 
I mean, you listen back to some of those evil interludes. I don't think there's been a more evil thing that's happened in this entire show than when, um, when, uh, when Ed Turner just kind of calmly walks into the congregation of women and children and just channels negative energy. First channel negative energy. Oh yes. my God. There's like, he's, yeah, he's like shaking hands with the kids, like touching their face, like waving hi uh-huh. to the old ladies and like, just, come, come on, man. Like that, that is some shit I want to see in a movie. Just him walking through the crowd and then boof channel energy and like 30 people just drop yeah just i love it oh my god i love it that's amazing man and completely completely straight faced and this is this is what he was meant to do yeah absolutely absolutely i I love him all right i mean we, we we've heard from you about about our buddy ikmer with his childlike wonder we've heard about father uh well, I was about to say Father Ed Turner, but that's not quite entirely no, Mr. accurate. Mr. Turner. <laughs> Mr. Turner. He, he, or he uh, corrected me a bunch of times when, when we first did the evil interlude. <laughs> I kept trying to call him Father Turner. Mr. Turner, trying to take your, uh, take your community apart. But I want to talk with you, Brooks. I want to keep it PC. Now, this right. is an off-pod uh, run of Return of the Rune Lords. Your character in it is Sensei Udmir. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the I you know what the the folks at home don't know who this character is, but how about you go ahead and introduce this person? Oh. So you want to you want to go in the dojo? Is that what it is? <laughs> well, you come here and Iori can help you find the ways. Oh, Sensei Udmir, I didn't see you. Sensei Udmir's in the studio. <laughs> It is my terrible impression of Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Amazing. And I, I'm i guessing your next question is how he came to be. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. So. Well, actually, actually no. Race and class first. Oh, okay. He is a dwarf. Uh-huh. And a sacred fist war priest. Oh, I love a war priest. Yeah. Yeah. But this one, this character creation is a bit weird, or much different than what I originally planned. Well, let's walk through it, baby. All right. So it started because I wanted to make a wrestler. And that's where Hulk Hogan came up. <laughs> that is we're starting at Hulk Hogan. Yes. We started at Hulk Hogan and worked our way back. Yes. I wanted to be, I wanted to be this wrestler vigilante. In Return of the Rude Lords, mm-hmm. that was almost immediately shot down because it said not to. Well, I, I guess not necessarily said not to, but it was, uh, I guess, discouraged. And not that, that those like are wrong in, in the in, like, player guide. Player guide? Okay, yeah. Yeah, because we aren't going to have a lot of social interactions. And pretty much every way that I thought about it, I was like, I, I can't make this character a vigilante mm-hmm. like uh, a vigilante like matador i think is he was uh, a luchador right? luchador yeah. yes yes that's right i wanted libra i i very much so wanted him to be this nacho libre glowworm farmer at first 
and go into this like, like glowworm. I, because it, then he would have like these dope light up eyes like behind his mask, and oh, and and so he would be this wrestler in time or like at night with these glowworms, and that's what his his name was gonna be was the glowworm. The glowworm. <laughs> the glowworm. Why do we not get the glowworm? So. That kind of fizzled fizzled away. Yep, I just googled it. Glowworm is not an actual creature in Pathfinder. <laughs> 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 All right, lum- luminescent bacteria. Oh that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. That's, okay, uh, that's a much better name. All right, go ahead. So I wanted it. So I I, I held on to the wrestler thing, mm-hmm. and. We needed a cleric in the team. Sure. I knew that I wanted to keep keep something un, unarmed. Mm-hmm. And the war priest really was a very nice, uh, I guess, match between what we needed and the unarmed class. He is a Plus sacred you're, fist. Yeah. You're, you're already playing a cleric. Like... You never want to play the same class back to back with different characters. It's kind of get bored. I get it. Oh yeah, for sure. And a an unarmed creature that's not a monk mm-hmm. is so hard. Yeah. It, he well, well, he still gets flurry. Yes. And, and that's right. He really is like almost a monk in his abilities, but at the same time, it's it's not easy being able to see exactly where he should be at every time because he is so, I guess, like, multi-ability. Yeah. And so I think that that also, the challenge of that kind of drew me to, to Sensei Udmir. And, oh, okay, well, so instead of the, uh, the glow worm, I went with a... I think I might have seen a like uh, a Van Damme movie recently. I think it was Bloodsport because oh, of Blood how this get made. And so Kumite, baby. Yeah. Kumite. But <laughs> Griffin hates us. It's cool. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but so I was like, oh man, he's gonna have the voice of Hulk Hogan. This dwarf that has a body of Van Damme <laughs> that just I mean, Captain America has has America's ass, but Van Dam might have might have him beat. I don't know. Van Dam well, has, has Van Dam like, has the world's ass. Is that Austria? I think, I think so. Yeah, I think he has think Austria's so. ass. Then good for him. <laughs> good for it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and how did this character show up in in Roderick's Cove? What's uh, he doing there? Well, believe it or not, he has a dojo. Hmm. And, <laughs> and so I think Iori is the ne- like one of the next things that I picked out and that made it like pretty nice that he was this dwarf in a place that was absolutely not filled with dwarves already he had mm-hmm. very very few dwarves in the, like the city population already for, for the folks listening at home who aren't familiar with the Pathfinder lore and are just kind of listening because they love us, Aurori is a, a goddess in Pathfinder lore, but but who is she? 
she is the goddess of self-perfection and I believe some like um, and healing power. I think mainly Irori is the god of physical perfection. Yeah, and so like subdomains kind of branch off, but all dealing with that mm-hmm. core concept. Like I think you have like power and healing and strength and that kind of stuff. Really, I mean, a lot of monks worship Irori. It makes sense that the Sacred Fist War Priest would be an Irori worshiper because basically it's it's like using your body as a weapon. Yeah. 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 But I, I guess the reason why I brought up dwarves because he is this fish out of water almost in this city. And so with that, everyone can be perfect in themselves and so that's how he is perfectly fine with just teaching everybody and uh and runs the he's almost more of like a teacher than a than a fighter that is beautiful thank you until he has to fight (laughs) (laughs) yeah we we won't go into our uh our uh, KDs in, uh, <laughs> in the campaign, but we will actually. There's a question later on. Oh, we are. <laughs> We're serving we... right into that. I'm glad I have a lot of drinks. Oh yeah. Um. All right. So. We've got to keep things moving here. I see that we're already a couple minutes into this record, and I've got a lot of things that I want to talk to you gentlemen about. You but- say it five times every day. <laughs> <laughs> if you're starting the uh, the Zone of Truth drinking game, every time Steve mentions how much he wants to talk about, you definitely have to take like two drinks. Oh, I think we're doing good on time. Oh, yeah, time's really... Oh, we really care about time. How about the time? Where's the time at? Oh. All right. <laughs> I want to address this. I really like time. Moving on. Um, we are going to have our first installment of a new segment. I think this will um, be one that's very popular with the listeners. It's called Boys Night. Boys Night. Boys where the, Night. Where the boys get together and talk about a night. <laughs> so, a long, so, so a long time ago, I, I, I can't remember if it was on Zone of Truth or the regular show, but I know for a fact... One of us mentioned how we could have an entire zone of truth about Brooks's bachelor party here in Columbus. And we're not going to spend the entire hour and a half talking about that. <laughs> but um, we didn't have a creature feature this week. And I thought this would be a great time to, to do that, to chat a little bit about this. Because let's be real, half of you are here for the Pathfinder and half of you are here because you like listening to people get fucked up on air. Yep. <laughs> so let's talk. All right. Well, I mean, it's it's an opportune time because the girls aren't here and they weren't there either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, I but think the story starts though with the night before, right? It definitely Absolutely. does. It definitely does. So, um, the night before. Now, now, Brooks, you and you and Emily both had a bachelor and bachelorette party for like the wedding party, and you folks did your own thing and had the actual parties, and then came back and had your Columbus version of the bachelorette and bachelor parties. Oh boy! Make sure Brooks doesn't get hurt. Yep. Famous last words. The the night before, so it was. Brooks was going to have his Columbus bachelor party on a Saturday, and Emily had that bachelorette party on a Friday. And then on Wednesday, I was to go home so that I could 
get ready for the wedding. The Wednesday after, correct? Yeah, yeah the Wednesday after. Right. I'm pretty sure <laughs> so he, had, was that. he had four days. So, so that that Friday night, you know, we were texting back and forth. And I was like, shit, the girls are gone. Like, do you guys want to hang out? And nobody ever hangs out in my apartment because I live in the middle of nowhere. So it's just like, hey, you know what, Griff, Brooks, you want to come over and have a couple beers at my place while we're just, you know, kind of killing a night let's go ahead and do that well that's because Haley was here at Haley was at emily's columbus bachelorette party mm-hmm. yeah exactly and so we figured let's just stay away from that yeah and uh we did we did <laughs> uh, probably nobody could have seen it coming but we got absolutely hammered dude i polished off like a fifth of whiskey <laughs> yes i felt like garbage the night before the bachelor party I think it was one in the morning, and I was I was, I was like ten hams deep, and Griffin was like plowing his way through a fifth of whiskey, and Brooks was like, "I need to go home. Like, this is getting out of hand." <laughs> yeah, I I was actually feeling I I was pretty good that that evening. Yeah, you were uh-huh. fine and restrained, which was a terrible sign. Yep. So fast forward a little bit. At some point, Griffin and I had like drunk called Haley and we started like giving her a bunch of shit and yep. Um, w- basically, I woke up the next morning uh, to to Griffin pounding on my bedroom door. I I woke up. I was splayed out like a starfish across my mattress, like fully clothed. I'm on pretty top sure that's the exact description I gave you. I was yep. like, you look like a fucking starfish sitting on your <laughs> sitting just, on your bed. Just I don't I don't even know if like the covers were off the bed. I probably just fell asleep on top of them. But I looked over and he's like, "Man, we need to be drinking in a, in like two hours," and I felt like death. Yep. So. We headed out from there. I fell asleep again. Mm-hmm. Steve woke me up then. He fell asleep. He went back to bed on my futon while I had maybe the saddest sandwich I've eaten of my, in my entire life. I put my elbows on the edge of the sink and just ate over the sink. No plate, no nothing. Just trying to choke down calories. So in classic fashion... We had no real plan for Brooks's Columbus bachelor party. No. <laughs> I want to say the only real plan was to watch the room. Yep. Yep. And get fucked up. Yeah, so, that's something that we all definitely have in common. Love watching the room and the fact that it's so bad. And the, and the well, drinking you were game. adamant that we would play the room drinking game, which yeah. we ended up doing. But lo and behold, it fell on, okay, we're doing this at Griff's house classic yep so <laughs> the morning of the hey, morning what are we of, drinking? i guess it's gonna be gross place so i'm heading i needed to get liquor for this i needed to gear up stop at the giant eagle grab some liquor grab grocery store sushi which i perceive because steve lives far enough away where i was like well i don't want to waste any time i got to get home so I'm eating this grocery store sushi with my bare hands in the car as I'm driving back home, hungover as all hell. And I'm like, just get this down. Just get this down because you got you to gotta go drink. So we get back and we're pregaming with a bunch of our buddies. A bunch of the buddies that uh, you probably heard of or you probably talked with on the Discord. We had like Chris and Eric were here. Um, John. John was Eric, here. Eric, who's been on Zone of Truth. Chris, we've talked about a whole bunch. John will be on here at some point, I'm sure. Yeah, John yeah. and our Starfinder campaign. We got to my house. We started drinking. And we started deciding what we were going to do with the rest of our day. 
Lo and behold, Chris in classic fashion showed up in a t-shirt and sweatpants when we were going to like hit the bars and stuff. Didn't want to be wearing that. Maybe maybe pregame for like two hours, right, before we came to the realization that Chris did not have a house key to get back into his house. Now, he lives walking distance from my place. So, But he, he had locked his keys in his house. He locked his keys in his, keys in his house. So we all stumble down the alleyway that connects our two houses, drunk, taking pictures. <laughs> we have no idea how we are going to get Chris's keys back. We just started heading to his house. I think the original idea was like some sort of human pyramid, but yes. we're not getting, <laughs> yes, we're, not getting like, we're not getting like six dudes to get uh, somebody into the second floor because Chris knew that his upstairs window was unlocked. So we needed to get to the second floor to get him in. That that was our main obstacle. Was was that, how are we going to get <laughs> up stories after we had been drinking? quite a bit especially me because I showed up a bit early mm-hmm. with Eric and definitely started early <laughs> and then we're halfway down this alley and <laughs> Brooks just kind of being Brooks is like we're gonna get a picture I'm gonna figure this out and so we're all like posing together as he's trying to balance his cell phone on top of a pickup truck that's sitting in the alley and then like set like a time delay photo and simple you and just hear, hey, what the fuck you doing with my truck? <laughs> and this, this dude comes running out. And we're like, oh, sorry, we're just trying to take a picture. Um, and then eventually we befriended the man. We befriended the man. Figured out what his job was. Which was rehabbing one of the houses <laughs> in like our neighborhood. <laughs> and, and then proceeded to tell him what the problem was, that we're locked out of my buddy's house. So he goes and gets a ladder. He doesn't know who we are, but he's going to help us break into this home. Well, the whole time he's like mumbling, I sure hope this is your house. He's like, he's fighting an internal battle. <laughs> oh my, well, at some point you have to kind of assume that what was it, six or seven shit-faced guys at, this was probably like 10 o'clock. No, it was, I think it was like one or two. Yeah, it was like two in the afternoon at that point. We had been drinking, because I remember we met a little later, because we couldn't couldn't decide where we we were going to drink until we decided it was my house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, at one o'clock, and they're already turned up. (laughs) I'm pretty sure they have they they're either out of their minds or just telling the truth and can't figure out a good lie. <laughs> Would somebody give him like twelve dollars and ones? Chris gave him twelve one dollar bills <laughs> nice. as a way to say thank you. And then like Chris was doing something in his house, he ran out like a bunch of Mike's Hard Lemonades to the backyard and oh, just started crushing. We house those Mike Hard Lemonades. Mike's Hard Lemonades. Oh my! It was for for a bachelor party. Being iced, that that's, besides the real thing, that was very close to what it was. Yeah, that was super It low. was being iced. But so then we had, this was, I think this was like the actual legitimate only part of the bachelor party we planned where we got an Uber out to uh, do an escape room in the middle of the day, just trash. Oh God, that God bless that lady that, that was like the attendant in the escape room with us. Cause she, she was, was like, so nice. She was like, she was like, cause Chris kept climbing on She's like, you can't climb up there. You got to get off. Please, Please don't, don't open the electrical the box. Yeah. That's, that's, that's not a clue. That's not a part of it. <laughs> and uh, so Chris is just being Chris and like break, trying to break into shit. Um, 
We, there was a lot of things that happened. I think we need to kind of breeze past the uh, the escape room, but we were competing but we beat with it. We with, beat it with oh, with, we beat it with like thirty clues. Oh, I. <laughs> Well, we left. It basically, it was a prison escape room, and it was like you're innocent prisoners who were um, who are unjustly imprisoned, and so you need to get the like evidence proving your innocence, and then escape. And we broke out, and everybody left and forgot the uh, the evidence. So I ran back, grabbed the evidence, and like baseball slid out the room with like <laughs> ten seconds left. But we were fighting Eric kind of drunk thinking that he knew what was going on but but failing and john's kind of drunk math john <laughs> kind of drunk trying to do all the math and then later telling us that he shouldn't have been the one doing math steve still hung over and also drunk sitting on the fake toilet like with his head in his hands. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Looking like a hungover person that should be in jail. <laughs> <laughs> I should have been in the drunk tank. But yeah, I just, there was, there was like the fake toilet. I just, and there was too much going on. I had to sit down and just let the people solve the problem. I remember my hangover and like being in that room and it was like sun facing in, in the third floor of a building in downtown Columbus. Was, and I was like, was, I was like, I'm super pitted, and this is really bad. <laughs> but aren't you? I think we need to move on to the food afterwards. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> so we went to Mikey's late night slice. I knew something was going to be a terrible idea. What it was was hot dogs wrapped in pizza, which half of the gang got. Not, not any of not us. Any of us. Not any of us. <laughs> half the gang got these fucking pizza wrapped or. Yeah, pizza-wrapped hot dogs. That is insanity. And, and it was just like, we sat there. There was a, They had a sign that pointed, like, food one way, drinks the other way, clearly to the bar. And we just sat there and we're like, what if I want both? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, we, I think we're one, or like, there were, I guess there was us and then one other couple in this place. At I mean late night slice is usually like it's packed late night yeah late only night, not late a night Korean <laughs> here we are there, there's a couple that's just probably kind of enjoying a date and then just like seven dudes that are just ripped yep hammered in the afternoon so we we get a few more drinks there venture back to Griffin's place mm-hmm. watch the room the room drinking game which. I distinctly remember very drunk Brooks literally like forcing my compliance. I remember he was sitting next <laughs> no. to me and he was like, you gotta drink, you gotta keep drinking, keep going, keep going, keep going. No, we have, for years we have played a drinking game that goes along with the viewings of the room. I mean, we've seen the movie, I know I've seen the movie over 20 times. And most of those times I've been drinking during it at very specific intervals. And Brooks was just making up rules. Griffin had, regardless of the making up the rules, had outpaced the game, which already <laughs> is, it's a punishing drinking game. Like, if you start so cold sober, you will be towing the line of browning out at oh, that I, hour and a half. I distinctly remember running out of seltzers with, so, like, I buy my seltzies in a 12-pack, right? I drank all 12 during the room before the last 10 minutes and I had to move the liquor. Yep. See, 
Liquor is exactly where I go wrong 100% of the time. Because this started with White Claw Seltzer yep. for me. And then when those ran out, I went to probably, I think I went to Dinger's. Oh, yeah, you went to Dinger's. Then, and then I went to mixing, Shots. Yeah, you mixed like the... Or no, then mixed drink and then Shots, which is exactly the progression that got me to hating cinnamon schnapps. In college. That, that'll do you. It's a slippery it's alcohol poisoning. It's the exact same. The exact same. But regardless, we got an Uber down to uh, Park Street. and Downtown Strip. Then <laughs> it all fell apart. Real hard. We Real got hard. kicked out of three bars. Yep. The first happened. Well, Steve, tell us how the first one happened. Yeah. So we go to this first bar and we're... Th- this bar does dollar bombs. We looked the next day at the uh, at the bank statements on your phone. We spent over one hundred dollars in bombs. We spent one hundred fifty dollars in bombs between because yeah. me and John pretty much bought all of the bombs. I had a hundred dollars of bombs on my card, and John had like forty between and- seven people and like a couple people that were just bumming drinks off of us. That's right. That's right. So we're. I mean, the alcohol consumption is getting to a worrying level. And at one point in the night, Brooks pulls me aside and is like, Steve, I got to tell you something. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. So I was like, okay, sounds good. We're far away from the front of the bar. Brooks pulls me up right to the front by the bouncers and is like, Steve, all right, here's the deal. And I, and I, and I looked him dead in the eye and said, you're going to need to hold on a second turned to the trash can and vomited my brains out. (laughs) (laughs) And if, like, I mean, in all honesty, it was classy in the sense of needing to vomit and just, hold on a second, I'm gonna do this, Uh, I'll be right back. Be right back with you. And with those of you who have drunk with me know that I can puke and rally really well. But I vomited my brains out and then tried to talk to him again and this bouncer pulls me aside, he's like, dude, you gotta get the fuck out of here. I was like, Dude, I, I got this. He's like, no, you. I just watched you vomit in my trash can. You need to leave. So never before have I had a more embarrassing moment in my life than all of my friends in this bar. And I'm looking at them through the fence being like, guys, I got kicked out. <laughs> can we go to another bar? And so everybody left and we went to the bar next door. And Brooks? What happened at the bar next door? Oh, wasn't this the bar? I think we didn't even get in. Yeah. Okay. Half of so us got this in. Was, oh, yeah. Most of us got in. So this was brothers. I think I was first in line because I think we decided early or like that I should have everything ready just to make sure that I get in. So in line, I go to get my ID. It's nowhere to be found. Absolutely nowhere to be found. I'm looking through every pocket in the wallet. Every, like, all right, all right. Well, okay, you guys go You guys go ahead. I'll meet you in there. I meet you. I know for a fact we just got into this other bar. It's in here somewhere. Still looking. Can't find it. This poli- the police that are frequently at the street corners, he... he Holds, takes my wallet from my hands and 
shows me my ID in the very front pocket. Like, it's not normally, it, to my credit, it wasn't normally where I put it, but it was in the very front because I probably thought I'm going to see it here. But he said, yeah, you're not going to get in. You should try a different bar that lets people in a little bit easier than yourself. <laughs> credit to the uh, the CPD. I mean, can't drink here. Go somewhere else. Thanks for your service. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you showed me ID, my ID, and I'm just sitting here like, oh, this is so embarrassing, but I'm so drunk that it's not embarrassing. Hey, guys, can you come out? I didn't get into this bar. Oh, by the way, I think we glossed over for a second that Chris got lost on half a block. I was going to hit okay, that. Okay, cool. Um, Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. So. We make it to the third bar of the night. Callahan's rooftop. Gonna get it. Gonna dance on the top. And throughout the night, we had, well, basically lost Chris. <laughs> yep. He was in and out. We like we found him. Then he was gone. He lost his phone, so he like left the bar and started looking for it on the street that we were on, like. Walking up and down the block, I guess. But before we left, Haley said, Griffin, you need to watch out for Chris. Make sure you keep an eye on him and make sure he gets home. Because he lives right by us. 15 minutes into the night, Chris is gone. I'm like, my ward, I lost him. <laughs> so we find him. We find him at the at the second bar that... We got kicked out of eventually. Head to Callahan's. Whole crew, whole squad. We're ready to go. We got our IDs. We're good. Only person behind me in line is Chris. I walk in and I'm waiting. Waiting for him, <laughs> waiting for him to get in. There's like you get in and you kind of go up this incline to like the first floor bar, and everybody had gone up to the to the um, rooftop, yeah, to the rooftop, and I'm waiting there, and I'm waiting there, and I'm waiting there. I'm like, where the fuck is Chris? What the fuck's happening? And I'm wasted, so I'm leaning up against like the the railing in the stair <laughs> in the staircase, and he never came. And eventually, one of the bouncers comes up to me and is like, "You need to go." You've been standing here for 10 minutes. No, you no. haven't come in and gotten a beer. You haven't done anything. So I just, I'm like, fuck, I'll leave. So I left. And then I was like, I'm outside. Haley, come get me. Yeah, no, because I remember this actually very vividly. It was, you need to either buy something down here or, or leave. And it was like, well, we didn't want to buy anything down there because... It was like we were just going to have to, I don't know, go upstairs. I don't know. The whole mm -hmm. reasoning behind a very drunk person really doesn't make sense. But <laughs> Why would I buy it here when I go upstairs and exactly, get it there? Exactly. <laughs> but we were just, just waiting for the friend. Yeah. we I, I could have sworn we tried to explain that to him. but Probably. I mean, Fail. probably in very poor fashion. <laughs> so we get kicked out of the third bar. Um Haley comes, the saint that she is, and drives the like six or seven of us in that her are just Prius. Prius. Yeah, we we're like triple buckled on seats, just being drunk disasters, shouting at her, shouting at other people. 
and go back to Griffin and Haley's place, and we're like, you know what? The night's quite not done yet. Let's get a fire going in the fire pit. Started a fucking <laughs> fire in the yep. fire pit. Sat around the fire pit. We sat around the fire pit, um, and and one by one, people went to bed until it really was just like me, Brooks, and 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 Griffin, and. Brooks was falling asleep the entire time, kind of where you're sitting in a folding chair and he put his his elbow on his knee and his hand in his face or uh, his face in his hand and was just kind of fall. He would fall asleep and then kind of fall a little bit and pick himself back up, fall a little bit and pick himself back up. Mm -hmm. And after three of those, it was like, okay, dude, you need to go to bed. No, he fell out of his fucking chair. Well, he fell out (laughs) of his chair, too. So so we put him to bed and then I went back outside and. Griffin and I uh, kept drinking, and Until like five in the morning. It was six. Six. That in the was morning. the latest I've six ever drank. The, <laughs> the sun was coming up, and we were like, "Oh, it is time to go. We gotta go to bed. We gotta go to bed." <laughs> so we go to bed, and um, I feel like garbage the next day. I'm sitting in, I'm in the spare bedroom at Griff's place, and my phone has like twenty messages on it. Just like, what the fuck's going on? So I pick it up. It's Emily. Why is my fiance in the hospital? <laughs> right. And that's that's when my heart just dropped out of my chest like, oh fuck. What did we do? What did we do? I can I can walk this one uh, very clearly. Very, yep. very clearly. So I woke up in the morning in the sunroom and well being a sunroom, it gets uh, sunny very early in the morning. Mm-hmm. Woke up. Oh, Haley, obviously, the, the saint that she is, ha- had a bottle of water and uh, next to the next to the bed. But, man, I forgot to take out my contacts. And that was after I've, like, already had, like, dry, dry eye problems. And I go to take them out. And I take them out. And usually after about, oof half an hour of taking them out they seem to get like i put drop heavy drops in and like they're they're moisturized heavily Mm -hmm. they start to feel a little bit better but nope it just didn't didn't work and i knew that the only way that i could really like get relief is through these drops that my eye doctor got or like got for me or like knows exactly what to give me like a steroid blender whatever anyways i knew that's what i needed i knew that it was just a minor cornea ulcer i think just an ulcer in my eye because it's so dry it ends up just cracking because uh, yeah it, it mm. yeah it sucks on a lot of levels but anyways so i figure hey I'll just go to an ER. It can't be that bad. And I call an Uber. It's a Mercedes, which I take as a silver lining. I was like, oh, cool. I get to ride in a Mercedes for the first time in the backseat, but whatever. (laughs) So I go to the ER and think, you know what? This can't be that. Like, it, I mean, it really, really hurt at this point. Like, I was like pressing my forehead because it's like one of those things where if you like press hard enough in the area or you in a slightly- ignore the pain and the like if you hurt yourself somewhere else yeah 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 that's kind of what it is i mean like i am one eye can't keep it open because i'm so light sensitive 
and just it, it hurt that bad constantly, which has never happened before. And this whole time, I had my supplies for the drinking game, or like for like the night before. So I think it was like Maker's Mark, some. So I Coke, and I think it was Maker's Mark and Coke, and I think that might have been just about it. I get to like the check-in or whatever, and they say, all right, you're going to have to just like check your belongings or whatever, and we'll keep it there. Okay, that's fine. I sit in the waiting room, and I'm waiting for like what feels like forever. They look at my eye, and they say, oh, it's a scratch cordia. I was like, no, 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 it's not. It's just I just need these like steroid drops or whatever, and like that's it. And they give me this brief like pain pain reliever and it's helps for about a minute i swear that that was it and besides that it is like it just doesn't work i think on monday at the very minute that they opened the eye clinic i was there so that i could like just get drops and from my from my doctor and that was the most relieving thing ever. I think um, the moral of the story is if you're out partying with the HLP crew, you can expect some very reasonable decisions to be made. Don't rub your eyes. Don't rub your <laughs> eyes. Oh, I also got LASIK um, less than a month after after getting back to Columbus. <laughs> he learned his lesson. <laughs> yep. Well, that was a great boys night, everybody. Until uh, next time. That was boys' night, and you know, we don't have another one scheduled for uh, for <laughs> for a minute. I don't but... know if we're allowed to have another boys' night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, but now we just got to get into some listener questions. Let's talk. Our first question comes from a uh, gentleman that's asked us a question before. This is he sat or has sat. I still don't know how to pronounce it. He told me. He told you and you forgot. And I immediately did not remember. So, <laughs> uh, he's asking, uh, this applies to Griffin, but can apply to other cast members too. How much prep time do you allow yourself between sessions? Also, for the players, how far have you guys planned ahead for your characters? Let's start with you, Griffin. All right. Well, fortunately, we're on this podcast and the way we record is we record a session every week. So... What you guys are getting is literally just a week in advance of what we've played. That being said, I usually prep for two to three hours for the content that we produce every week. I give myself plenty of time, but at the end of the day, I think I'm also a last-minute prepper. Something will, yeah. some, some, something will uh, inspire me or... or get my brain churning and inevitably everybody will come to the house and I'm typing something on my PC or I'm like rereading a stat block or re looking at something. But we record in, you know, hour to two hour chunks, two to three hours of prep. That's basically the gist of it. If it were a longer running thing, I'd probably prep a lot because you guys would have a bunch of different ways you might go in a session. Like if we played an eight hour session, so that's kind of the beauty of playing short spurts. Although, 
it would be really fun one time to just like do a 10 hour HLP session, <laughs> uh, knock it all out. But, but I like, I like getting to listen to the episode beforehand and kind of getting in the, in the headspace to think about what we're going to do this week too. Yeah. For, from a player perspective, it's a little strange because especially because this is an audio medium with people listening at home, you almost feel a little bit like one of the writers on lost. Like, <laughs> That's ambitious of you. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's that. But basically, I mean, if you if you if you read any stories about those guys, basically they had an idea for a season or two, and then the show was going to wrap up. It became a huge critical success, and they were never given a timeline for when it was going to end. So basically, they were keeping it going and keeping the stories moving, but they didn't like have an end in sight. So it's a it's almost a little kind of like that where. Matumbe could literally die next week. I don't know that. Or yeah. he or he could make it through book six in the probably like three years that this podcast is going to take. I, I don't know. So it's a little difficult to prepare for a character because you want to have the character be impactful and have good story moments, but you don't want to drop everything in the first 30 episodes because you might need to spread that over three years or you might need to spread that over three episodes. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a little strange. Um, I, I always kind of would like to keep my characters where if they died next week, you'd be like, Oh, I got him. Like it, it makes sense. He, he had a story, but I also want to have something for the folks that are tuning in every week for the next couple of years, if he survives. So um, the answer to your question is, yeah, we, plan long range but we also want to make sure that our characters are fulfilling in the short term i am also uh looking at what my next character might be if and when mitsumbe dies and i have a good story for him when we'll see if and when (laughs) if and when i think that's a good point like the way i've prepped the campaign as a whole at least in terms of your first characters they each have an arc within the arc Mm-hmm. And I kind of like doing that, and it's going to come up at different points in the campaign, but I I think even when your character's kind of internal arc is done, obviously the arc of the entire campaign isn't done. And so, yeah. you know, maybe it's fleshing out your character in three books rather than six. Maybe it's fleshing out your character over the whole term, but I think that's a good point. Yeah. Bricks, how do you feel about this one? Well... From a, I guess I can break it down in a little bit more of a time, like from a time perspective. Of course, after listening to the previous episode, I will take roughly about two hours to go over what was probably, hopefully, in my head during the episode and then get into this. Ikmer mindset of being a kid, being wondrous, being this lovable loser who is down in the dumps, but still wants to prove himself to everybody. Uh, and so getting in that like mindset, which is actually usually uh, listening to the uh, listening to our HLP uh, playlist. Yeah, no, yeah, I really do. I really do listen to uh, our playlist and get into and like listen to the Ikmer songs in order to get into it. And then 
after that, I think of like possible paths that we could take as as a crew, and by that time we're usually all together and talk it over a little bit. Yeah. And so, like, as far as like prep work, about as much as any real like Pathfinder session. And so, but as far as as far as Ikmer and his like how far ahead I think of for him, I've got about like two levels ahead about what I would want to probably do unless something. I guess drastic happens or like you guys get some inspiration, but I definitely want to be in the present and in the now of what we are doing. And so I don't want like, I don't want to get too far ahead and I guess like project it too hard so that we are still in the present and I guess hopefully make this like quality quality product of what Ikmer is. Makes sense to me, man. I, ho- I hope so. I, I'm terrible at these things. <laughs> no, you're wonderful. Stop that. Um, but we have another question that I want to get to tonight before we enter the chain lightning round. As this one. we go on, <laughs> we remember. Sorry, I was just saying. you. No, keep, go going. Ahead. keep going. All the times we And speaking of characters moving on and remembering the times that we had together, um, this next question comes from Bustin' Knuckle. Since you answered my question on the board, I'll ask this one. How did you handle the death of your first character that you made? I remember the death of Brooks' first character, and I want him to start with this. Oh, yes. So it was Deutschum, who was also a half-orc. And he was a ranged rogue. Nice. Full yeah. <laughs> full credit to Tim, who has been on the show, and he was he was so much fun with it, and was very fast and loose. And if it was fun and it kind of made sense, he let it happen, which was which is very nice for especially because it wasn't my first time playing, and I guess. Did we mention that our first time playing was a campaign with us, or was with Steve and Emily with Tim GMing? Dude, we've talked about the Rise of the Rune Lords campaign like every zone of truth. Well, okay. <laughs> Gotta listen to our podcast. So if anyone's just uh, just starting into listening, nobody this is. Time. <laughs> nobody is. <laughs> so. He died. But before that, I think it should be mentioned that we halfway made him this mayor of a made-up town, which was a big rock, really. Mm -hmm. And after defeating, well, after thinking that all of his uh, campaign mates were, were dead, he... Died saving a boat filled with skill, uh, school children from the town by a giant snake, just like what's that? What's that fantastic movie with the giant snake and the Anaconda? Anaconda. Ah, yes. Beautiful. It was just like Anaconda, and it was just as horrible you as almost Halo? all of those deaths. I want, uh, yeah, and I want to save Griffin for last because Brooks and mine kind of tie together. Um, 
for for the listeners at home, I've played a fair amount of Pathfinder and Starfinder. Um, I I have yet to have a character be permanently killed. Um, now, now my character in that Rise of the Rune Lords campaign was killed a couple of times and was brought back through um, the Druid resurrection. I think it's regeneration or reincarnation. Um, yeah, I want to say reincarnation because that doesn't necessarily yeah. guarantee your same yeah. uh, the same body. I think. Yep, that's reincarnation. Yes, we talked about rolling on that table. Mm-hmm. Yep. So my character came back with reincarnation. Uh, I think twice. Uh, my, my character died a couple times, and I, honestly, if I look back, I wish I kind of let that character stay permanently dead. Not because like I didn't like the character, because I love the character, but I, you know, we were early in our Pathfinder um, experience, and I would have, and I, and I think it would be beneficial for me to have learned something else at the time. Um, but I did grow to love the character, and I don't know. Let's check back in in a while, see uh, if I have a character that's permanently dead that doesn't get resurrected <laughs> i mean see how i see how i feel about it <laughs> you know i mean again i think real like credit to tim he he also put in a pretty good amount of effort into like and and well for helping us tie in to the campaign <laughs> which was something that we didn't well realize yep but at the same time you put in so much effort into this character and into a like late game. Yeah. I I definitely did thank you Brooks and I definitely did tie this character a little bit into the later game. I wish I had the the stones to let go though. I really like wanted this character to go the full six books and I I I, I wish I had it in me to just let go and try something else because um you know I I I don't want I don't want a character to have plot armor and not saying that this character did but like in my own kind of way, like making sure that the character got resurrected from my, my fellow players around the table. It was like, I, I don't know. I feel, I felt like I was like cheating death a little bit and that's, that's no fun. So going forward, I don't think that's going to be a problem. I'm going to let these characters die. So we'll see. I mean, I, uh, we'll, we'll see where all these stories take us, but I, I, now that I know a little bit more about the Pathfinder world and the rule system, I tr- I'd try something else if my next character dies, whether that's on Carrying Crown or one of our off-pod uh, games. But let's get to another character death, Griffin. So, Return of the Rune Lords. We never made it to my uh, my feature. We hey, featured uh, hey, re- Emily. Re- remember Haley how many and times in the last episode of Sony <laughs> we talked about? Uh, Griffin's character Chiron that he's so proud about. So my character Chiron was a Gloomblade fighter um, in our Return of the Rune Lords campaign, who is actually the first character I've ever had die. Really? Uh, all of my other characters have made it all of the way through. Um, at least as far as we played, my Skulls and Shackles pl- character made it to almost the end of book four before we stopped playing that. Uh, Dead Sons, obviously the doc still kick in until tomorrow how do you how do you do it this is <laughs> uh play this a really good support character with really good battlefield control it's magical oh. don't play a melee character all right wow. well let, let's let, let's set up some clickbait gms hate him he's never <laughs> <GMs> had- <laughs> number seven will surprise you <laughs> so kyron got killed uh you said a lot of good things about tim 
<laughs> Tim's the GM of this one. Cut he, the mic, cut the mic. He goaded me into this situation. Still love him, but it was basically a split the party situation where it's like, obviously when you jump in and fix the rudder of the ship, you're going to get attacked by something relatively telegraphed, but I didn't let my metagaming get in the way. I went in with my armor off so that I could swim better because Chiron in, in base form had at level 5 a 26 AC dropped down to 18 when he went without armor. And that's huge. Yeah, because he was really hard to hit. So Tim threw some sort of advanced template onto the um, onto this giant fish monster yeah. that attacked Chiron. Uh, at level 5 it did 40 damage to him in one hit. So the way he went out, he was a Gloomblade fighter, and so he could manifest weapons with a swift action. Any weapon that he was proficient with, which as a fighter is all martial weapons, plus he took exotic weapon proficiency and butchering axe, so he used that all the time. Tim hits me with this thing, hits the grab. I think he's at like a plus 23 yeah, and I to think grab. Should, and I think it should be noted that at level 5, if you were to have full 50 health... That's very good. Oh, yeah. 50 health is not too bad at level 5. Right. So Tim hits me with 40 damage on the first bite, grabs me. And Chiron would have tried to escape. He would have until every other party member joined him in the water to come to his defense. And he knew if this thing could do 40 damage to him, it could kill several of the other party members who did not have his 50-some health. He manifests a weapon, stabs the thing in the fucking eye, used my bottle cap, crit on it, did a chunk, did like 57 points of damage. A lot. Didn't kill it, but, you know, then it bites him again. Uh, that's, that's Dunzo with the 40 points. He was at like 11 health. The next bite took him well into the negative, like well below his negative con. And it swallowed him, so he died. Couldn't uh, get any items, no mementos. It's okay because, fish. like, I think that's okay because that just messes up the wealth by level balance when you come back as, like, because I came back as a fully kitted out fifth level character for my backup. And if we had Chiron's stuff on top of that, that's like adding a sixth player of wealth by level it kind of messes with it mm-hmm. but um yeah it kind of sucked i like that <laughs> character a lot i, I really yeah. liked playing him he had a lot of i mean to me he had a lot of personality and a lot of good like backstory hooks and ties uh, my new character less so because i made him kind of on the fly but i have a couple good ties for the first or for the next two books of the campaign so i think i think it the way that Chiron went out, though, although it was a tiny bit anticlimactic, it ties back to our last question of you always need to be ready for a character to go out. I I mean, I know you were planning stuff and maybe you were chatting with Tim off the side about, you know, ways that Chiron's backstory could be incorporated in the larger Return of the Rune Lord story. But from 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 an outsider perspective, we did see a full character arc get completed in Chiron. Like... It, that he died was extraordinarily unfortunate, but he did have a little bit of closure. 
And I, I think that's something we all need to be ready for. Your character could go away in an encounter that seems trivial and lame. Well, I just think you you can't think of it as just one arc. Mm-hmm. Every character has a lot of arcs. And yeah. Chiron did fulfill one. So, And as a player, you need to make sure you're filling these arcs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I guess uh, one thing that I really actually didn't touch on is Ikmer. I don't have a second character for... Uh, yeah, most of you don't. I'm just actually going to leave you out for another episode if you don't come to me with a good character oh, backstory. I I really feel like I could make a. I'm I'm relatively quick at making characters, in not in the sense that I don't think about it. Is that I I always have an idea. It's just that I never like put it to full. Sure, and you're so- you're all very different with your style. Like, Steve had a backup character when he made Matumbe almost. Like, he was talking yep. to me about backup characters before we started the podcast. I, really? I, I've, I, I have, I have, and Griffin, you, I, I, I would appreciate if you didn't say what any of them were. Oh, no, I certainly But won't. I have cycled, <laughs> I have, I have, I have legitimately cycled backup characters where I, I was playing through Matumbe and I was on like episode two and I was like, this would be a really good idea if I came back with this guy. And then like, 20 episodes later, I was like, oh, I changed my mind. I want to do this crazy thing. Yeah, like Emily has a backup character. I think she's working on the voice for it. Haley, nothing. Clean slate. And you kind of have like an idea, but nothing like... Well, yeah, like I, I have like, eh, if this were the person, like I have a, I have a basic class. Like I might, yeah, I might play this class. Like Haley's got nothing. No, oh. From what she's told me, she's got nothing. But, But see, the thing, the thing with that for me is that as soon as you make a backup, you are ready for your character to die. And I'm not That's ready. what Haley said, too. And I was like, mm, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, you all are ready for your characters to die. But I'm ready for this fucking episode to die. We got shit to get through. Let's go. <laughs> Why won't you die? <laughs> All right. So just like the last couple episodes, we are having a chain lightning round. Brooks, roll a reflex save. Just kidding. You don't have dice in front of you, but I'm going to ask I you do. questions. Anyway. All right. Roll a reflex save. Go. Okay. I'm going to give you a modifier of a plus Dick four. Dickman die. Yep. Ha! He got a fucking natural 20. <laughs> All right. Cool. So we're going to crush this out. We What's are. your favorite race? This comes from the Wraith 91. We did clarify this. Pathfinder race, baby. Pathfinder race. Yep. Uh, half elf. Yeah. Ha- ha- poof. Poof. Half elf. Um, I think they're like super swanky, snooty, and that makes like physical and inter- uh, social interactions pretty funny. Like in a in this make believe world, just absolutely hilarious, and you can take it in so many different ways. Being snooty, snotty. Just to everybody. So that's Brooks's half elf, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I feel I feel like with the half elf, you kind of get the um, the uh, you can play into the entitlement of the elves as much as you want to, but you can also just be like sexy, like they're supposed. But to. But you're not all the way there. Not a little How there. snooty is a full elf? <laughs> oh God! Well, excuse me. Ooh, I don't think we're ready for any of those uh, voices from me. That's for sure, <laughs> we are not. But you know what? Jobot wants to know what's your favorite Pathfinder class and why. I actually had this ready well before, from the very beginning. I'm, oh, you prep for this? Well, <laughs> I'm not ready. I, yeah, I'm just more than haven't, haven't picked out the right place to use it. 
and it and it very well might be uh, coming up if if things uh, turn out. But anyways, my favorite class and why a ranged ranger without an animal companion, and they what you got against pets? I I think it it takes away from the feats. I think it really. Okay. It, I think it takes away from the feats. It's not that they aren't helpful. It's that you aren't, I guess, investing in yourself. Does oh, that I, make I sense? Gotta, yeah, because you got a boon companion. Yeah, you got a boon yeah, companion. Yeah, but so anyway, so I guess on that line, you have a very diverse line of feats to go on, and with that, you have very diverse feats to go on but at that same time they're very clear paths and that's important there is an absolute rabbit hole if anyone has played pathfinder or looked into building a character through pathfinder it is an absolute rabbit hole of feats to build off of one of like one another and that's it's hard to do but a ranged character is pretty clear and yeah, you, you got can your go where you want to. Got your point blank, your precise, your rapid shot, your many shot, your cluster shot, your deadly aim. That's like running bread shot. And yeah, yeah, you got shot on the run. You can take a snapshot. Yeah, if you want to get into melee, you can start doing. You can do like point blank master and stuff. It's yeah. fun. It's diverse, but I feel you on that. It's like it feels like with with like a melee fighter. There's just so many chains of stuff that you don't really know what's like. I mean, in some aspects, it feels like it's a trap. Like, oh, that's not really that good. But you went and you invested five feet to get there. And yeah, like, and then all of a sudden you get to the last one, and then it's all like, oh, well, I guess I'll go back to level, or I go, I guess I'll go back to like the the trunk of the tree, the feet tree, and start over. Yeah, seems like a lot of effort in to take shots. Um, this one comes from For- Florida Man. <laughs> What class and race most accurately align with who you are in real life? I, I'm not gonna lie, this one uh, was was hard to decide, very hard to decide, and I want to say it's a bit of a. Uh, I want to say it's more accurate now that I thought about it for a pretty long, a very long time, and that is half orc. No. <laughs> really no all right what yeah what? yeah yeah yeah. so anyways i really feel like well i guess they as a class are not very smart inherently they've got like the minus already to your to the class like to your like, to your uh, core stats i don't think they do i think they're a plus two race we'd have to check that but i get you they're well, not really they're known for two. being they are they're like the floating plus two like humans are, where you can just throw it in something, yeah. Well, okay. I- anyways, I guess when you... in, I guess in my mind, I guess it should be noted that they are not inherently smart. Right. Whether that be wisdom or intelligence. But based on that, they are probably in my... I, all again, in my head headstrong into doing whatever that they are set into doing and they're really not going to stray from it until they succeed 100 percent 
And I really don't feel like I'm very smart in that like way. <laughs> like I guess like I'm not like uh, just natural born smart like Emily is, and she'll hear it when uh, when the episode <laughs> comes out. But she really is naturally born very smart, and she tries really hard on top of that. But I like to think that I try really hard and I'm stubborn about this type of like thing about figuring it out. Yeah, I've figuring tried, out. I've tried to get you into an Uber. You are stubborn. <laughs> yeah. Well, try to get you not to stubborn. Uh, sink my kayak when you're or sink my canoe when you're in a kayak. It doesn't work. <laughs> he is stubborn. He's stubborn. stubborn. Yeah, stubborn. Uh, I guess it, it it happens in uh, more ways than just uh, figuring things out. But so I really am like stubborn, headstrong, and as a class, I like to think that based on that, I'm more of a tactician. That's not a class. Tactician fighter? Yeah, tactician fighter. There you go. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. No so, innate magical abilities for you. No. I'm I'm not magic. I'm definitely not smart enough for it. But I think that I can... I honestly think that I can use my intelligence to, I guess, on the battlefield and which... I guess, like, in that sense, use my, I guess, education and, like, sports background, like, more heavy, like, sports, football, uh, hockey background in Pathfinder-ish ways, if I were to be able to. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right, I got you, man. I I hope that answers your question, man. It does. All right, this next one comes from Ryan. Now that we know what the players like to drink, when given the opportunity, what do our PCs drink? Ick and Ed Turner. Let's go. All right. I'm talking a lot. I know it. Ickmer. That's the point of this. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Whiskey neat. It's strong, but it has, uh, hopefully, with decent enough whiskey, has a smooth enough finish. So... I, th- I think that's, I think that's about him. Is he drinking uh, his whole adamant ta- adamantine tankard full of whiskey each time he goes to the bar? <laughs> Ooh, he's a kid. It's probably too tall for him, but he'll still do it anyways. <laughs> Fair. Too tall, but na- maybe not full. How about that? Got it. Ed Turner, really, <sighs> something something pretty fluffy. He's a pretty. I, I want to say he's like high class enough to where you would, if you saw this at a at a bar or whatever, he would like you would probably look at it and be like, oh, okay, like grown grown man probably drinking this, uh, I don't know, like a Cosmo apple teeny <laughs> lemon drop like martinis, <laughs> like a grown like he, even still he's like this high class figure in his head. And he's drinking these very floofy, like, martini-ish fruity drinks. Well, I can't really see him drinking to get drunk. I feel like I see him, like, drinking at a social situation. I thought you were going to say church wine. Ooh. (laughs) That's good. But see, he would probably drink the church wine to get drunk. (laughs) (laughs) He would just abuse it. (laughs) Our last question for the night is coming from our boy, Rusted Chrome. If you could pick any comic book or movie slash 
hero, heroine, or villain to take your character's spot in the game, who to be in why. I'd also like to hear Griffin's choice to do as well as I told you the last time, two, the last two times, we're not answering that until Griffin does this. So chill out. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta do it every time, huh? <laughs> All right. Well, to be honest, Ikmer was a little bit easy uh-huh. for me. Uh, he was... He is the Punisher in my mind, as far as like a superhero, which I I understand it being uh, not super easy to picture, but in his like both of the, like the mindsets, I hope they are the same. He's a bit misunderstood, battle hardened, and but still has this soft side where they can relate to people and are not. I guess distant, too distant in that way. And so with that, he has, I, I want to say like the same mentality that the Punisher has is just charge on in. Don't think about it. Just do like, do don't think. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I hope that was, that was a good answer for that. And I hope that like kind of puts his mindset into, into listeners heads. What about Ed? Ed. So, we mentioned this a little bit earlier. And if anyone has seen Apostle on Netflix, it's a great movie. I really like it. There is a higher up within the church. And he takes over an already pretty culty situation, island. And with that, he uses these uses his influence and words to kind of twist the followers that are on the fence about a lot of things. And so on top of all of that, he uses that to say that his thinking is the right, right way. And he really drew me in as an evil character that I wanted to play when he kills a follower and then the last thing that he whispers right before this execution in the movie if anybody's seen it is I wanted this oh that's creepy yeah and so he he, you see this image of him doing this and those were the last words to the, the prisoner or like to the to be executed while the followers are thinking it's all in the in the in the greater good uh, yeah I, I don't know if you could put the ed turner mindset in a better way like that just makes sense for who the character is yeah yeah and i i really love playing him he's he's he creeps my bones for sure <laughs> you heard it here folks ed turner creeps brooks bones <laughs> Yum, yum, yum. Take that however you will. All right. <laughs> but you know what, Brooks? You did make it out of the chain lightning round. So you did succeed. Your reflex. Oh, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank and you. we are rapidly approaching the end of the episode. I would also like to add on that you did succeed your will save. So you are out of the zone of truth. But the listeners know where to find you, correct? Oh, obviously. I'm on Discord. Probably more often than I'd like to say, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I 
I love, love, love everyone that I've interacted on there. So please, please uh, feel free. Got any uh, questions? Want me to go real deep into anything that I mentioned? Discord is the place to do it. I'm really not huge on uh, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, to be honest. Sweet. Well, they know where to get in touch with you. And uh, we really had a lot of fun having you on. Did we have a lot of fun having him on? Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, we did. Oh, you guys are so sweet. Oh. Don't get Turner on us. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And on that note, we need to wrap this up. So, Griffin. Well, A, we're just coming off of PaizoCon, so. I'm sure it was I think fun. We're flying home. I'm right sure it was now. fun. I'm sure it was fun. <laughs> yep. I'm sure I'm feeling like shit in that plane. Five hour flight home, man. Oh god, that's no good. I guess that would mean it's successful. Hopefully, one so. way or the other, I'm gonna feel like shit on that plane. But finish your drinks, gang, because we'll see you in two weeks. Later. You got it. Later.